Jerry Maguire's 1996 American romantic comedy sports film, which most people have probably forgotten more than 25 years later. But this sports-themed rom-com produced many memorable quotes and one-liners which are used even today. Phrases like, help me help you, you complete me, and you head me at hello. But perhaps one of the most famous lines in movie history known by audiences who may not have even seen Jerry Maguire is the line, show me the money. As sports agent Jerry tries to keep football star Rod Tidwell as his client, the wild player makes it quite clear what the agent needs to do for him. Show me the money. Rod's request is about as basic as it can get, but the scene gets funnier and funnier as Rod makes Jerry scream it back to him at the top of his lungs, show me the money. That line resonates even today because that is what the world seems to be shouting, show me the money. Money is a part of life. We need it to buy food to eat. We need it to buy a house or to rent a condo for shelter. We need it to fund our hobbies and to take vacations to local or international destinations. We need it even to pay for our medical expenses. Money provides us great benefits in life. And yet we also know that money corrupts people. The fight over money breaks up families. And money accumulated can be stolen or devalued. Yet, if given the choice, many of us would rather have money than have no money. But on the other hand, those whose families are broken and relationships and friendships shattered due to money would wish they didn't have the money to gain back their friends and family. My friends, there are so many conflicting perspectives on money and wealth that we may often get confused if we do not look to see how God wants us to think about money. The Bible has a lot to say about money, wealth, and finances. In fact, some biblical scholars have noted that there are well over 2,000 verses in the Bible on this very subject. In particular, the book of Proverbs offers great insights and lessons for how we should interact with money and pursue wealth. In this message, we'll be drawing out four biblical principles for how we deal with money as we continue our sermon series titled, Foolproof, A Guide to Wise Living studying the book of Proverbs. Because the inspired wise sayings about money and finances are not centered in one chapter in this book, we'll be jumping around a bit in this book. I believe that we all recognize the importance of money in our earthly lives. So the natural question is, according to the Bible, how does the Lord intend we get it? Well, Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4 tells us, Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Here the Bible tells us hard work is how God intended for us to earn money. Hard work. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23 adds, In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Here the Bible says to earn money, we have to work for it. It requires faithful, diligent, committed hard work. I know that some of us dream of winning the lottery or hoping for a large inheritance, and it does happen for some people, but coming into instant money is an exception rather than the rule. As we mentioned when we started our series in Proverbs, the inspired Proverbs in the biblical wisdom literature genre are general principles true to life, 
not considering exception cases. And that means for all of us, our money and wealth will and should come from our hard work. You know, it's interesting that the Bible doesn't tell us which jobs or professions are better than the other because it really doesn't matter the type of job we work. Any job where you're working hard and being faithful to that work is a good one, as long as it provides for you and you can earn a living from it. And that's what I like about the North American culture. No one looks down on you based on the type of job you have. As long as you're working hard, no one cares. I know it is different here in Asia. The Bible simply commends hardworking people whether they are medical doctors, accountants, engineers, custodians, or gardeners. The Bible tells us to work hard so that you can earn money to live. And spiritually, our faithful work serves as a godly witness to the world, and it earns for us a heavenly reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 tells us, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. If someone is lazy and just wants to play around and party all day, instead of working hard, then he will suffer its consequences. These Proverbs are pretty self-explanatory. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 17. Proverbs 21, verse 17. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. And then Proverbs 28, verse 19. Proverbs 28, 19. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity will have poverty enough. My friends, our generation generally has a hard time with hard work because we spoil our children. In a previous generation, summers were spent working, working in the family business, often with no pay and no benefits. But nowadays, children spend all summer and their free time playing video games or making FB and IG reels or TikTok videos. And then we wonder why our children do not know what working hard and suffering entails. Because they have it too easy, they have it too good. As someone who's been working since he was 13 years old, running an offset printing press in the garage on a hot Texas summer with little to no pay for the family, I learned lots of character-building life skills. I'm not saying that we can't have fun. I'm simply noting that this generation just wants to have fun and expect God to bless them monetarily, forgetting that God's ways are such that His ways for us to earn money is not supernatural blessings falling from heaven, but through hard work. By the way, Proverbs does mention that some children receive inheritances from their parents and grandparents in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 1, and 13, verse 22. But notice the warning in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 21. Proverbs 20, verse 21. An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. And we see this play out in real life with children who have money when they are young, squandering it all away, and never having the motivation to work hard and getting a stable job. Jesus' parable of the prodigal son further illustrates the pitfalls of coming into money too early in life. This should serve as a reminder that even if you're wealthy and can shower your children with all of life's best, perhaps it would be wise not to do so 
so that they can learn the value of hard work. As I've told my own children, my money is my money. Your mom and dad will help give you a jump start in life because we love you, but you have to earn your own living. Michael Yardney, in his CNBC article about himself titled, 67-year-old millionaire regrets not teaching his kids these six top money lessons when they were young, writes these words. Kids need to learn that if they really want something, they should wait until they've saved enough money to buy it on their own. The problem is that we all want the best for our children, which is why a common trap for parents is to give their kids everything they feel they missed out on growing up. Trampoline in the backyard? Check. Brand new clothes every season? Check. New toy every weekend? Check. If that's your style, what you might end up with is an entitled child with an impatient attitude geared toward instant gratification. Patience is key. Instead of buying a $20 toy for your child immediately, have them save $5 per week for one month. They will appreciate and value that toy so much more because they worked extra hard to earn it. Also, there are people who don't want to work hard, but instead want to get rich quick through unethical schemes or dishonest means, such as bribery, theft, fraud, lies, dishonest business practices. The Bible talks about this as well. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. This proverb means that wealth generally accumulated easily through dishonesty can just as easily disappear as compared to monies earned through hard work. We see this play out in Genesis chapters 29 to 31, where when Laban, the uncle of Jacob, tried to cheat Jacob on his earnings, Laban lost a lot of his wealth, while Jacob was blessed by God and through hard work earned much. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 2 assures us that a good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. My friends, the all-seeing, all-knowing God will bless those who do things with integrity in this life or the next because He rewards and disciplines accordingly. It is something we all should keep in mind when our minds begin to think of possible ways to get rich quickly through dishonest means. Now look with me at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 27. Proverbs 15, verse 27. Here it reminds us that he who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. This verse means it's simply not worth it to earn quick money through dishonest ways because of the consequences and troubles it brings. Ask people who are in jail, those who have lost their reputation, those who have lost friends and family, if it was worth all of the troubles quick money brings. A God of justice will eventually call everyone's action to account in this life or in the life to come. Now let's put all of these proverbs together for our first biblical principle. Money matters, number one. God desires you to earn money through hard work, not through dishonest schemes. 
God desires you to earn money through hard work, not through dishonest schemes. There are so many get-rich-quick pyramid-type schemes that lure a person into thinking they don't have to work hard and to invest wisely to earn money. But my friends, be warned that it's not how God wants us to earn money. He desires that we earn it through hard work and wise living. Speaking of wise living, the book of Proverbs also teaches us that when it comes to money matters, we are to be good stewards and plan wisely. Look at what Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26 says. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. This proverb is talking about planning ahead. Planning for the future involves saving and investing wisely so that you will have enough later on in life. Yes, God has promised to take care of all of our needs, but He often does so through our own wise and prudent planning. Just like it is unfair to blame God that you failed the test because you didn't study but prayed really hard 30 minutes before the test, it's also unfair to blame God that you don't have enough monetarily because you didn't save wisely and plan ahead, but simply prayed really hard for 30 days. I hope you see my point. The Bible already gives guidance for how we are to plan wisely and plan ahead for future needs. This is part of God's will and His care. If we reject His given advice, that we have no one to blame but ourselves. Now turn with me to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. Proverbs 21, verse 5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Here the Bible tells us very clearly, planning wisely and planning ahead are biblical concepts. You know, there are so many who say they would just quote-unquote live by faith, or they would just trust the Lord to provide. Now, both statements are true, but listen carefully. Both statements should not serve as justification for not planning well and in advance. They should not serve as justification for not saving for the future and making foolish decisions. Faith is not devoid of planning and preparing. Living by faith and trusting God alone means we do not put our full hope in money, but it does mean we have to plan wisely, seek out godly counsel, and prepare. When my grandmother, Julia Tan, launched out to move by faith the Grace Ministries from Nagtahan in the 1960s to what was then rice fields here in North Balintawak, she didn't just foolishly say, this is God's will so I'm just going to wait until everything falls into place. She actively sought out help from godly businessmen and women to help her fund the project and to plan for what is now known today as Grace Village. She was a very spiritual woman, a woman of prayer, but she had a lot of common sense and a good business acumen, even as an educator. She had the wisdom, as Proverbs advises, to strategically plan ahead in faith. Money does not last forever. Therefore, careful assessment and planning are needed for your family's financial security. This may involve investing wisely, but I'm not here to give investment advice. You can seek out the many competent financial planners that are out there. But look what Proverbs chapter 27, verses 23 to 24 say. 
Proverbs chapter 27, verses 23 to 24. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. My friends, you have to know your financial standing and make sure you have enough for your family's needs. Diversifying and setting aside emergency and rainy day funds are important, saving up for future difficult times. Now turn to me to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. Proverbs 21, verse 20 is a reminder about the importance of saving. There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. Simply put, the wise save up, the fool squanders. Remember the wise advice Joseph gives to Pharaoh in Genesis chapter 41? When it was known that God would bless the land richly for seven years and then bring about famine for seven years. Joseph wisely advised Pharaoh to save up enough food during the seven years of plenty so that during the seven lean years, the population would have enough and not starve. Interestingly, the propensity of people not to save is such that our country, as well as many other countries, force employees to save by garnishing wages for Social Security, ultimately for our own good. The book of Proverbs also talks about living within our means by warning us about the dangers of getting into debt. Living within your means means you have enough money to cover all of your expenses. And Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7 is clear on the dangers of debt. Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. My friends, as much as possible, as much as you can avoid it, do not get yourself into debt. If you don't have the money to buy something non-essential, then do not buy it. It is as simple as that. If you can't afford to go on that vacation or to buy a new car without having to borrow money or using your credit card, which you can't fully pay off at the end of the month, then do not spend on it. The high interest rates for credit cards and loans make it very difficult to accumulate wealth, and you will end up paying more. This beyond the fact that the Bible tells us debt will put us in bondage. We will be tied down to the obligations we have to the banks and to the individuals we owe. Now, I know there may be some good business considerations or tax implications to take out a loan from the bank or to open a line of credit. But those are exception cases where you need to fully understand the business benefits. What I'm talking about is generally, it is foolish to get into debt, especially if the reason is to support a lifestyle you cannot afford. Let's say simplistically that you have a $2,000 credit card balance because you bought a fancy home entertainment system which you saw your friend had. But you can only pay the minimum monthly payment of 3% or $60. You are charged interest at an APR rate of 20%, and your $60 pays for both the principal and the interest. You do this until the credit card debt is paid off, and this is assuming you no longer use a credit card for additional purchases. You will spend a total of $4,241 over 15 years to pay off your $2,000 credit card debt. 
your interest payment alone will cost you $2,241. That entertainment system really cost you over $4,000. And after 15 years, the technology is old and outdated. Now, does that make good logical or business sense? Of course not. But because many people live in the now, because they are comparing themselves with others, they will make that purchase. They will not think about the future ramifications. They are willing to incur a debt for the sake of happiness without thinking about the future costs. My friends, be careful about living beyond your means. You don't have to be like all of your other friends. If you don't have the money to buy a new phone or to have the latest fashion or to go on that expensive vacation, then practice self-control and don't buy it. The friend you are comparing yourself to will not be helping you pay off your debt. Listen carefully. Your Instagram picture and your TikTok video showing off what you bought, where you went, or what you ate is not going to pay off your debt. By the way, if you have any outstanding loans or debts, then pay off those debts quickly, both so that you will not be under the burden of those loans and so that your Christian testimony is kept intact. Nothing ruins a Christian testimony or reputation quicker than not fulfilling your debt obligations and not paying off your loans when you are able. You and I know how annoying, frustrating, and even maddening it is to see people who borrow money but don't pay back what they borrowed, then seem to live a lifestyle where they can pay off the loan. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 15 in chapter 22, verses 26 to 27, warn about taking on or assuming the debts of others. Since there's a chance, not only will you be liable, but you may be left with nothing. In other words, do not lend money to others without careful considerations. If you do choose to lend money, make sure you either take collateral or treat it like a gift so that you will not be burned in the process and ruin your friendship when you are not paid back. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 13, reminds the lender, Take the garment of him who is surety, lender, for a stranger, and hold it in pledge when he is surety for a seductress. If only we will heed the warnings of the Scriptures when it comes to debt and lending, it would save us a lot of heartache, misunderstanding, and emotional distress. Live wisely, the Bible tells us, by being good stewards and planning ahead. And from these Proverbs, we have our second biblical principle, money matters, number two. Godly stewards plan ahead, save, remain debt-free, and live within their means. Godly stewards plan ahead, save, remain debt-free, and live within their means. It's wonderful how practical the Bible is. If only we learn what it has to say without picking only the verses we like and not reading verses in the context in which it's written. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God has promised you monetary riches if you're a Christian. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Christians should just forgive all debts and all loans. And nowhere in the Bible does it say that by faith you can enjoy life's luxuries and God will pay it off. Instead, the Bible is clear. Live within your means. Plan ahead and save and be debt-free. 
The book of Proverbs is very clear where wealth comes from. It comes from God. We have to clearly understand that everything on this earth belongs to God. And it is up to His sovereign will what He desires to let you have, to steward and take care of. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 is clear. Proverbs 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Throughout the Scriptures, this is a truth that is taught and a truth godly people acknowledge. Like godly Hannah, who declares in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7, the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and He lifts up. And even Moses reminds the prosperous Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Again, this does not mean that all God-fearing Christians will be monetarily rich, or even that evil people will not and should not be wealthy, because we see good people who are poor and bad people who are rich. The overriding truth principle is that all wealth comes from God because everything belongs to Him, and He decides how much each person gets. Now turn with me to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21 reminds us that there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. This proverb teaches that while we may have plans and dreams to be successful and rich, we need to commit our ways to the Lord and desire His purpose because at the end, it is His will that happens. The implication is that we don't need to hold so tightly onto our material wealth. This truth should really open our hearts to be more generous because our money really doesn't belong to us anyways. A wise person will remember that since our wealth and money is given through God's grace, that as we graciously and undeservedly receive it from the Lord, He can also just as easily take it away if He so desires to discipline us. You know, there are so many stories of very wealthy people who literally lost everything overnight, whether through a natural catastrophe, a lost lawsuit, a tumble in the stock market, a sudden medical condition, theft, and other countless means by which one can lose it all. Greed is when we want to accumulate more wealth at all costs, and stinginess is holding on to what we have so tightly because we want to have more. Both attitudes do not recognize the truth that everything belongs to God, and He chooses whom to give to and whom to take away from. This reality should encourage us towards cultivating a more generous heart. If we don't hold so tightly onto our money, then it affords us a great opportunity to pay it forward and bless others, with you yourself being blessed in the process. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9 says this, Proverbs 22, verse 9. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. Did you ever think that perhaps God blessed you with monetary wealth, not so you can keep it, but for you to bless others with it? God gave you money for you to give away. If we can't carry anything with us when we die, 
then what's the point of trying to keep everything until the end, only to have it given to others anyways? Think about it. As someone wrote, Americans donate approximately 2% of their disposable income to charity. Then there are Julia Wise and Jeff Kaufman. In a little under a decade, the couple have donated half their income to charity, a total of $585,000, more than half a million dollars. We have what we need, so it makes sense to share with people, Wise said. Wise, a social worker, and Kaufman, a computer programmer, plan on passing the philanthropy bug to their daughters, two-year-old Lily and six-month-old Anna. We hope they'll grow up thinking this is a normal part of life, Wise said. I like that statement. We have what we need, so it makes sense to share with others. Is that your philosophy in life? Or is it, we have what we need, but I'll just keep hoarding because I simply want to have more and not help anyone? There is no doubt that seeing generosity in action makes you feel good. You are blessed when you see others are generous. Think about all those videos you watch of people being very generous, paying off the groceries of others, other people's rent, and giving out free money, gadgets, computers, and food. The heartwarming responses of needs being serendipitously met, I'm sure has brought tears to your eyes. You are blessed by just watching others give. So think how much more blessed you will be if you actually practiced generosity, perhaps anonymously, without any acknowledgement or recognition. Since we are but stewards of what God has given us to share and help others with our wealth, are we fulfilling our Christian responsibilities or greedily hoarding it? From these Proverbs, we can draw out our third biblical principle, money matters number three. Since everything belongs to God, we can joyfully give and be blessed. Since everything belongs to God, we can joyfully give and be blessed. There's a very interesting proverb in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17 says this, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. Essentially, this verse is telling us that if we help others in need, and in a way, quote-unquote, lending to God, the guarantee from the God who always pays back his debt is that he will pay back in ways that is over and beyond our expectations. Now, it may not be in monetary ways, but it will come in the form of things money cannot buy, like good health, joy and happiness, and a great family life. So now let's talk about things money cannot buy. There are many things that money cannot buy. Let me mention four of those things. First, money does not buy happiness. Look at the imagery of Proverbs chapter 15, verse 17 to describe this truth. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 17. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened calf with hatred. It means that it doesn't matter if you have enough money for an expensive fattened calf for a meal. It isn't as great as a cheap meal surrounded by people who love you and where there's laughter and joy. I've seen my share of very lonely people eating at expensive restaurants alone, showing clearly that money does not buy happiness. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 1, drives home this point. Proverbs 17, 1. 
Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Again, the meaning is that it's better to have joy and happiness with a simple life than to have lots of money, but with it, a life full of fights, anger, and hatred. Nick was a 10-year-old boy. He was the only son to his parents. He had all the toys and gadgets a son could ever want. Nick's father was a very busy businessman who could not spend time with his son. He came home after Nick slept and was off to the office before Nick woke up in the morning. Nick yearned for his father's attention. He wanted to go outdoors and play with his father just like his friends did. One day, Nick was surprised to see his father at home in the evening. Dad, it's a big surprise to see you at home, Nick said. Yes, son, my meeting was canceled, so I'm at home. But after two hours, I have to catch a flight, his father replied. When will you be back? Tomorrow noon, the father replied. Nick was deep in thought for a while. Then he asked, Dad, how much do you earn in a year? Nick's father was taken aback. He said, my dear son, it's a very big amount and you won't be able to understand it. Okay, Dad, are you happy with the amount you earn? Yes, my son, I'm very happy. And in fact, I'm planning to launch our new branch and a new business in a few months. Isn't that great? Yes, Dad, I'm happy to hear that. Can I ask you one more question? Yes, son. Dad, can you tell me how much you earn in a day or even half a day? Nick, why are you asking this question? Nick's father was perplexed. But Nick was persistent. Please answer me. Can you please tell me how much you earn in an hour? Nick's father gave in and replied, It would be around $25 per hour. Nick ran to his room upstairs and came down with his piggy bank that contains his savings. Dad, I have $50 in my piggy bank. Can you spare two hours for me? I want to go to the beach and have dinner with you tomorrow evening. Can you please mark this in your schedule? Nick's father was speechless. My friends, the greatest gift a parent can give his child is time. Money can't buy everything. The second thing money can't buy is character or a good reputation. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1 reminds us, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. And Proverbs chapter 28, verse 6 notes, Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. My friends, once you sell your character, you can't buy it back. For example, if you lose your virginity in an immoral act, no amount of money can buy back that virginity lost. If you cheat on your spouse, it is a forever stain on your life. Of course, there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ, but you can never say you've always been faithful to your spouse all throughout your marriage. If you lie to obtain a discount or cheat on an exam, you may have more money or gain an educational honor, but you can never say with a pure conscience that you earned what you earned through your own hard work. As I've noted before, if you try to avail of a senior citizen discount when you're not a senior citizen, then you have just sold your character for what? 200 or 300 pesos? But on the other hand, you don't have to be wealthy and rich to be known as a godly man or a godly woman. 
You don't have to be wealthy to be known as a person of integrity, spiritual wisdom, and character. The third thing money can't buy is contentment. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23 tells us, Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. In other words, one can rest contented and satisfied without needing to have money. Many people think that money will bring satisfaction and contentment, but it will never come. Because if our end goal is to have more money, then we will never be satisfied and content until we are number one on the world's richest list, or at least have more than our competition. But guess what? Because there's only one richest person in the entire world, even if you make it to the top of the list, you have to keep watching your back and earn even more to make sure you stay at the top of the list or have more money than your competition. How can you rest well at night? knowing that number two is gaining on you. That's why money cannot buy contentment and satisfaction. You can buy the nicest bed with the best feather down pillow, but you can't buy the sleep you crave because of worries. And yet there are people who sleep on the hard floor who can get more sleep than you, fully content with life without any troubles. The fourth thing money cannot buy is salvation. Interestingly, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 4 speaks about this. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 4 is clear. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Let me repeat this verse. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. My friends, you cannot buy your way into heaven. You cannot use your monies to do good works to earn your way into heaven. The Bible is clear. It does not profit in the day of wrath. It is the righteousness we have in Christ through believing in His shed blood on the cross that delivers us from death. But people who are so used to buying their way into getting whatever they want don't understand this truth and ultimately will perish eternally if they don't trust in Jesus. That's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verses 24 to 25, when a rich young ruler was unable to let go of his wealth to follow Jesus. He said this, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's very tough for wealthy people who think they have everything they need on earth to come to the understanding that money does not buy salvation and eternal life. That's why the Bible warns us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It is not money itself that is evil. Money is amoral. It is how we use the money and how it drives us to certain sinful motivations that makes the love of money evil. So if money cannot buy happiness, character, contentment, and salvation, and much more, then that means there are things worth more than money. Logically, we should then pursue these invaluable, priceless things which money cannot buy. 
This brings us to our fourth biblical principle, money matters, number four. Pursue the spiritual things that money cannot buy, which has eternal values. Pursue the spiritual things that money cannot buy, which has eternal values. Pursue the things which are priceless and cannot be bought with money, because those things have eternal values. Pursue above all a relationship with Jesus Christ. My friends, don't work so hard trying to accumulate things that are temporary and that which you cannot take with you when you die. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 to 5 notes this well. Proverbs 23, verses 4 to 5. Do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding. Cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. As we have seen, the book of Proverbs has much to say about how we view money and pursue wealth. I pray that we will be able to apply and remember the following biblical principles in our lives. Number one, God desires you to earn money through hard work, not through dishonest schemes. Number two, godly stewards plan ahead, save, remain debt-free, and live within their means. Number three, since everything belongs to God, we can joyfully give and be blessed. Number four, pursue the spiritual things that money cannot buy, which has eternal values. As we close, may Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 to 10, serve as our prayer to remind us of how we are to view money and to pursue wealth. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 to 10. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Do not malign a servant to his master, lest he curse you and you be found guilty. What a way to pray to ensure that we have the right biblical perspective on money and wealth in order to live wisely, that we do not forget the Lord and we do not bring shame to His name. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your words. It gives us a right perspective on money and the pursuit of wealth. May it be that we never have so much money that we forget You. And may it be that in the pursuit of wealth that we never shame Your name. We pray that we do not live as the world does. We pray that we would live as followers of Jesus Christ who have been redeemed through His shed blood, that we live a very different way, that we pursue the spiritual things which money cannot buy because it has eternal values. Lord, I pray that Your people would live as wise stewards, joyfully giving that which You have given us so that the nations may be blessed and we serve as a wonderful testimony of your life in ours. May you, above all, be honored in our wealth and money. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.